Hello beautiful people! I'm back with another insightful episode this week and as promised, it will have interesting perspectives on leadership which leaders of today overlook in the performance of their responsibilities. I am Nikki Tang, I am a beautypreneur, and every week I am committed to bring you great episodes that will bring you to discover your inner strength, brilliant mind, and complete sense of beauty. I have a question for all of you. What do you think of this statement from psychologist Maslow? If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail. Are you thinking what I am thinking? Perhaps, exactly my thoughts as well. If you are a leader and you only have one skill or strength, you will most likely use only that strength, which as you know will not help because you as a leader will lead a diverse set of humanity. The overextension of a strength then becomes a weakness. Does this make sense to you? Even if you possess many strengths and no matter how self-aware we may be, we cannot always see or know when we've crossed the line. As with anything in life, too much of something is bad, but just as too little of anything is bad as well. So, how do we find the balance in our leadership skills? If you are in a leadership position right now, you probably have a good sense of what your leadership strengths are, right? But the thing is, do you use your strengths wisely? Overusing strengths is what sabotages our leadership and managerial effectiveness every time. The very same strengths that get leaders to the top can, ironically, take them over the edge. As a leader, I do not rely too much on my strengths, such that I have taken it upon myself to take courses in leadership to further enhance my skills. Learning is a continuing process, and I strongly believe that leadership is about getting things done through others. Let me take this opportunity to share with you some of the learnings I got in the workshop that I have attended. There are two ways that a leader can overuse a strength. First, by applying a skill or capability to a greater degree than necessary for the desired result. What do I mean by that? Let me give you an example. A leader makes a sudden and stealth mode visit on the floor and goes around and hovering over the backs of their employees to check what is in their computer screens. Does that sound familiar or do you have a boss like that? In this example, the leader uses micromanagement style. Micromanagement is a management style whereby a manager closely observes and or controls and or reminds the work of their subordinates or employees. This kind of management usually has a negative connotation and therefore gathers negative results. It's like the leader holds their subordinates just like puppets on strings. And they may have good intentions to prove the performance of everyone on the team. However, their behavioral tendencies can impact their team's ability to develop their own decision-making skills and can elicit resentments. The second is by misapplying a skill or capability in situations where another one would work better. I will also give an example of this misapplied skill. A leader needs a report on the budget for an existing project and needs it in a spreadsheet. But what the leader does is to show a different report on how to build a spreadsheet instead of delegating the task of analyzing a budget. The leader misappropriated his valuable time teaching how to build a spreadsheet rather than delegating and putting trust that the employee can do it by himself. 
Overused strengths, therefore, are defined by their impact on the people or in terms of the outcomes they produce. With the two examples, it suggests that if someone has too much of a particular strength, it puts the focus on the person and suggesting that they overuse a strength puts the focus on the consequences of how the strength is used. Are you getting interested already? I can sense the enthusiasm there, so without further ado, I believe that it would also be helpful for me to touch on some examples of leadership personality types and see what their strengths and weaknesses are. So, let us see what personality types resonate with yours or your organization's leaders. One personality type is the analytical, the get-it-right guy. Their strengths are thinking, thorough, and discipline. But on the other hand, they tend to exclude feelings from decisions. They go too far and are perfectionist. They're also overly rigid of self and of others. Another type is a driver, the gets-it-done guy. They are decisive, independent, and determined. But the downside is that they do not take time to consider the perspectives of others, they have trouble operating with others, in short, not being a team player, and they tend to be domineering and to focus on doing it my way. It is their way or the highway, and they are right no matter what. A talented results-driven leader may be decisive, determined, and great at delivering outcomes, yet under stress or at times of crisis, his or her strengths may prevent collaboration with key people, thus missing key input. Have you come across a good-natured leader? We usually get attracted to this amiable type of a leader because they are supportive, have patience, and are diplomatic. But the overuse of these positive traits can tend to conform to the wishes of the direct report, are not constrained by boundaries, and therefore do not get things done. They also tend to be not assertive or directive. The fourth leadership personality type is the expressive one. You can easily determine one because they are the good communicator, they're very enthusiastic, and possibly be an imaginative person, which is good if it leans on the creative side. However, the bad side of the positive traits can be overly talking, coming in too strong, and become unrealistic. In team meetings, these leaders come out too strong with their loud voice, use of highfalutin words, in short, just grandstanding. There is no depth in what they say. Do you see yourself in the examples that I have mentioned, or from your leader? I'm sure you do. I have seen myself in some of those that I have mentioned, but because there is a desire to create a perfect balance in my leadership skills, I have learned to tone down and adjust. A stronger and more intelligent approach to leadership and development focuses less on the leader per se and more on the leader's impact on organizational performance. We do hate leaders who constantly look over employees' shoulders. They are perceived as controlling and overly critical. Employees across all industries complain about micromanagement and this contributes to low productivity. Employees are fed up and experience burnout, the very reason for increased employee turnover. To this day, there is an increased call to replace micromanagement with respect and empowerment. So what is wrong with micromanagement? 
When COVID-19 hit, remote work became the solution to the spread of the virus. But it also provided a lot of stress to employees because their home and work is under one roof. Some leaders have struggled to adapt when they don't have the ability to walk over to an employee and check him or her out. When micromanaging, the leaders are actually hurting themselves, the company, and their workers more than they realize. Micromanaging can create a toxic work environment that hampers creativity and suffocates the employees. It also destroys independent thinking and creativity. It inhibits learning and innovation. Micromanagers ruin their colleagues' confidence, hurt their performance, and frustrate them to the point where they quit. A truly effective leader sets up others to succeed. Micromanagers, on the other hand, prevent employees from making and taking responsibility for their own decisions. It defeats the purpose of making people grow and be empowered, which is precisely the process of making decisions and living with the consequences of their actions. Before I proceed, I would like to make a quick sense of your engagement on this topic. Are you getting some value in what you are hearing? If you are, I would like to encourage you at the end of the episode to put your comments or your takeaways in the comment box below. It will mean a lot to me. Moving on, how can leaders stop micromanaging and instead give employees respect and empowerment? When you micromanage, it is evident you do not trust. So, why not offer trust instead? Employees will never work to their full potential if they do not feel trusted by management. A lack of trusting relationships hurts employee morale, which in turn lowers productivity. One example of offering trust is stepping back and not insisting on being cc'd on every email. Don't get me wrong here, I know there are emails that need to be copied to the manager, especially if it entails a major decision for the company. The second best thing to do to replace micromanagement is to give employees autonomy. Giving employees autonomy shows that leaders trust them to do their work without needing to intervene. It also allows managers to focus on the most important tasks at hand rather than monitoring employees. Do you know that some leaders even purchase a mobile software tool that will help them gain visibility of their team's field activities or remote work? Some even go to the extent of utilizing a GPS tracking device if the work of the employees entails to be out in the field. I think this kind of monitoring is already over the edge and will not help. Delegation is a powerful leadership skill that needs to be utilized by every leader. When you delegate, it means you also trust. In order to delegate effectively, you need to give all the information that is needed up front and then set interim review points along the way. A good leader trains and delegates. Delegating tasks is important because your time as a leader to create higher level strategic planning you're responsible for takes a lot of time and energy. When you do not delegate, such valuable time is lessened. As a leader, you need to be kind to yourself. Good leaders allow learning. Let your team learn from mistakes independently. It's crucial that you encourage your employees to grow. Empower them. In addition to coaching, sometimes the best way to support an employee is by leaving them alone to figure things out. 
When you step back and your employees accomplish things on their own terms, they have more freedom to innovate and forge new paths. What they can learn may even help take your company in a new and better direction. Leadership roles are indeed intimidating. You are responsible for your team's performance and well-being, but taking on too much of the burden will burn you and your employees out. Focus on learning and seek out resources to help you grow. There is an inspiring wisdom in leadership when leaders discover and capitalize on their strengths and aligning them with organization values. So how can you stop overdoing your strengths? You need to find your balance. It's not hard to see why overdoing a strength can get you into trouble, but an intellectual grasp of that concept and even a willingness to change can bring immense results. To find some balance, you also have to come to terms with the roots of your behavior. As I've said earlier, it's not easy to spot strengths that you're overdoing. Some leaders with an attitude of service, for example, cannot stand selfishness and are known for not taking good care of themselves. One classic example of this is a driver type of leader who I've mentioned earlier. They prevent collaboration with and like to do things my way. In so doing, they are rigid to themselves and do not practice self-care. Well-balanced leaders are ready to embrace a new mindset and begin correcting their lopsided tendencies. They need to stop both overdoing a given attribute and underdoing its opposite. I have a fellow student in a leadership workshop that I have attended who confessed to her strong preference for consensus building. As an analytic personality type of leader, she often organized overly long meetings that strain her team's patience. Many times, people would like to step in and decide. Instead of extracting a 10-10 consensus on her proposal, she could have settled for an 8-10 consensus. That way, her meetings could have become much productive and save each other's time. Be too forceful and output may improve, but motivation will take a hit. Instead of taking charge, empower. Give other people latitude to do their job. Instead of taking a stand and defending it, why not listen and seek input from others? Instead of pushing and setting high expectations, why not show support, appreciation, and sensitivity? Why not make a list of leadership strengths that you have as a leader and pose a question to yourself? Are you overdoing any of them? I know it's tough, but it forces you to think in a bigger perspective. Challenge some of your assumptions about leadership and your abilities. Or if you cannot do this challenge, why not encourage feedback from your direct reports? Now more than ever, it's your job to take control of your career and it is in your power to manage your strengths so that they do not become weaknesses. As a leader, it is a privilege to be able to share my insights on leadership topics so that it can be of help or become a guide in your quest to becoming a leader in your workplace or in business. Ownership of a business does not necessarily mean that you are a leader in its truest sense. If you have ideas you feel like sharing that might be helpful to the listeners, please share them in the comments section below. Again, if you were able to get some takeaways from this episode, kindly comment on the comment box below. It's lovely that I get to spend time with you in this 19th episode of Grace, Grit, and Glow. Thank you so much for listening. Lots of love, Nikki.